Welcome to The Details with Elliot Connie and Adam Frower. This is a podcast where we examine the intersection between solution-focused brief therapy and current topics going on in the world. And we do this because we genuinely want the world to be a better place. So enjoy and come examine the details with us. Well, Adam, since the last time you and I recorded an episode of our podcast, the world has gone crazy again. (laughs) Or maybe the world is still crazy. It's just like there's been another bit of evidence to the existence of the world's crazy. And I want to be clear about something. So obviously I'm talking about what's happening in Afghanistan and America removing its troops and the Taliban taking over cabal. Like it's a crazy thing to watch. And and I want to be clear. I'm not sitting here saying that, you know, the president shouldn't have done X or should have done Y or the previous presidents should have done. Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not taking a political stance. I'm not doing any of that stuff. I just want to tell you what happens for me as I watched this, like I remember being a kid, I was probably about 16 years old. I was in later high school years and America went to war for desert storm. I remember walking around Massachusetts where I was living at the time and a bunch of trees had yellow ribbons tied around them as a acknowledgement that America is now for the first time in my life at the age of 16 at war. And I just remember freaking out, like, oh, my God, we're at war. Like, what does that mean? And who's that impacting? And what's that going to do? Like, I remember having all of those thoughts. It was a scary time. And in the subsequent 30 years, almost 25 years, I don't know that America has never not been engaged in some sort of a warlike conflict. And I heard a story about what was going on in Afghanistan, because, Adam, it's gotten so crazy over there that as planes are leaving, Afghanistan people are like trying to hold on to the plane to leave. Do you know how scared you need to be, how desperate you need to be to hold on to a plane as it takes off as a method of escape? And there was a a professional soccer player, football around the rest of the world, but soccer here in the U.S., that was holding on to a plane as it was trying to leave. And he fell to the ground to his death. I hear stories like that. And what it makes me think is I think we're being desensitized to human suffering. Because if you had told me that story at the age of 16, I probably would have cried. Because it was so unusual at that time. Like, that doesn't happen. If you tell me that story, if I were 16 today, I'd be like, another person died in some weird kind of crazy way based upon the upheaval going on in the world. And it makes me say, Adam, like we need to fight to keep compassion present in our lives because it's really easy to lose compassion through the process of desensitization to violence. It's really easy to forget that that person is a son, potentially a father, potentially a brother, potentially an uncle. Like that person is a person. Not just the number, not just a news story, not just a, that person is a person. And, and we have to work hard to make sure that compassion stays present in our lives. Because we live in a life of 24-hour news. We live in a life where like, no matter what happens, we're always hearing about it. It's always in our face, even if it's the unpleasant kind of goriness of life. One of the things I love about our work is we teach people how to love one another and how to be 
closer, i.e. how to be more compassionate. But I think we need to acknowledge we have to work really hard because the process of desensitization is making compassion wane a bit. And that's what I was thinking about when I was watching the conflict going on in Afghanistan. I was thinking about this idea of compassion and compassion really is like, it's a feeling of concern. I see suffering. I see the misfortune of other people. And I have a genuine concern for them and for their well-being. And I think it's obviously connected to empathy, but it's also slightly different. I think that empathy is more of like an understanding. I have the feeling and I can understand what you're going through. Whereas compassion, I may not be able to really understand at all, but there's a longing inside of me to reach out to you, to support you, to help you. And I think in the world that we live in, and you talked a little bit about this, right, where the news cycle is 24 hours a day, we're inundated with experiences where we could show compassion, but because it just comes and comes and comes, we kind of turn into just having a sense of logic or a sense of understanding of like, oh, there's another natural disaster. I've seen that before. I, I know that what those people must be going through. Or even I've experienced something like that before. That's really hard, right? But there's a lack of wanting to reach out. And I think a huge component in compassion is a sense of connection that I have an emotional connection to you, right? You talked about that, that soccer player who fell to his death, right? There's a connection. I can't even imagine being that frightened or that concerned about my safety. And I think sometimes we lose compassion and we lose compassion for, I think, many reasons, but I'm going to put the reasons into two camps. It's either there's so much going on in my life that I am self-consumed and therefore I can't turn outward. And so my lack of compassion is because of what's going on for me and this, my own sense of being overwhelmed. Or I can lose compassion because of what's going on for you. And, I, and we've talked about this a lot in our different conversations in this podcast, but anytime I begin to other, Anytime I say, oh, you're one of those people, you can even hear in that statement that my compassion is that I've put a barrier between me and somebody else because of a difference. And so my compassion is gone. I begin to attribute their situation to who they are rather than a life circumstance that they find themselves in. And I think for either one of those reasons, whether it's because of what's going on for me or if it's because of the othering I'm doing to them, the result is I lose the connection. And I think as soon as we lose the connection, we're in trouble. What I was thinking about as you were talking was COVID, actually. And I know, like, we're all sick of talking about COVID, but, but that's kind of the point. Like, I can remember in 2020 when COVID starts happening, there were people in my life, you know, you're connected with people that you went to college with on Facebook and stuff like that, that you're not really friends with them. The only reason you're connected is on Facebook and they don't align with your beliefs or values. And and I had some friends that would say stuff like COVID is a hoax. It's just as why we're treating it like anything other than a cold or the regular flu. 
And they would say things like only like 1% of the people who have it die. And I'd be like, but that's a person, you know, like that's a, that's a human being. And now we're in these astronomical, you know, a year later, the numbers are astronomical, like a million people or more. You probably know the numbers better than I do, but like a huge number of people have been infected. Hundreds of thousands of people have died. And now we're treating it like statistics instead of like a human being who is suffering, instead of a human being who is really struggling. And I think that's sad. I think the greatest evidence going on here in the United States about the importance of compassion and the evidence that compassion is waning is people not willing to vaccinate. That has honestly been heartbreaking to me. And people make whatever decisions you want. And you have every right to do so. But I have every right to respond to it. And if somebody told me there's a disease out there and if I get this shot, Adam Frower is protected, compassion is what drives me to take the action. And Adam, it's sad at how few people are being led by their level of compassion. Yeah, I think as you were talking, just so you know, I as of today, worldwide, there are 4.47 million deaths. So almost four and a half million people have died because of COVID. And that's just the people who have officially been recorded, right? I think oftentimes, and this, we put it into perspective, right? Think about how often we think about and we talk about the Holocaust and the six million Jews that were killed. We are approaching that number. This is no small thing that we're dealing with here. No, yeah. I think one of the things, and it's sobering, right? And I think in some sense, I hope that that's what people, listeners get out of this is we should be somber. We should be sober. We should, if we lose that sense of solemnity, that should be a sign to us that our compassion is going, that our compassion is waning. I think too, one of the things that contributes to the decline of compassion is, I'm going to use kind of a strong word, but I would say selfishness. And selfishness can result for lots of different reasons. If I feel like I'm more important or more valuable than you, then I feel like what I want is more important than what you want, right? And that's right. a version of selfishness. I'm going to give kind of a silly example. I have, I have three kids, which many of you know. And oftentimes when two of the kids get into an argument with one another and it turns into, I'm right, no, no, I'm right. Oftentimes what I end up doing is I'll try to stop them, which sometimes is really hard to do is to get them to stop <laughs> arguing. I've <right>? witnessed. <laughs> right. Because they're so invested in trying to be right. And so the first thing I try to do is stop them. And then the second thing I do is I try to say, hold on a second. Can you think about this from the other person's perspective? Why might they be saying what they're saying? And oftentimes it turns into a meta communication where I will say things like, if either one of you in the moment had stopped and tried to figure out why the other person was saying what they were saying, either one of you could have stopped this argument. And it starts as a low level, just like verbal argument, but it usually escalates to now we're yelling at each other and we're screaming at each other. And sometimes it devolves into we're calling each other names. And what starts as a small disagreement turns into 
I'm turning you into a non-person. I'm turning you into a name, a derogatory name at times, simply because I think I'm right or my opinion matters more than your opinion. And I think in the grand scheme of things, if we can hold on to a vision of someone as just as worthy as us or just as capable as us or just like us, we hold on to that sense of compassion. And even if they're saying something we disagree with, compassion turns it into curiosity instead of accusation. Curiosity turns it into, I want to understand you. I want to put my arm around you instead of, I want to call you names or punch you in the face. The companion to compassion is selflessness. So Adam, here's the big question. What does someone do? Let's say, as I hope, someone is listening to this and they're like, wow, that's a good point. And I can feel my compassion waning, which, which happens. Yeah, absolutely. What should someone do to grow their compassion? Oh, that's a good question. So and in our field, right, we call that compassion fatigue, where we've heard so many stories, which is one of the potentials of this of this profession. But I think it's the same, right? I think about a mom who stays home with her children. I think that's a prime situation for compassion fatigue, right, where you just feel nagged all day long and pulled in 17 directions all day long. Or I think about, you know, an employee who goes to work and is just feeling like, the demands and the pressures, right? Just the compassion for your boss or supervisor, that will wane or the customer that comes in, right? I don't care what happened in your day. Do you know how many belligerent customers I have encountered today? And so that compassion fatigue can happen anywhere. And I love your question. So what do you do? Mm -hmm. Two things come to my mind right off the bat. And one is take a minute, right? If you can, step away from the situation. Just try to go through the thought exercise of what might be going on for them. So I think that's one. But I think the other thing, and it can be completely unrelated to the person that you're interacting with, but it's serve somebody else. Do something for someone. Oh my gosh, Adam, I was just, uh, go ahead. And I'm going to make my point. Do something for someone. You can look around and at any moment and you can find someone who needs help and whether that is like a homeless person who's sitting on the street and you walk them to the nearest restaurant and get them a meal there's something about helping somebody who is at their limit which fosters compassion which fosters selflessness it can be something small like that or it can be you know Develop a service project where you can gather people and resources and go help an entire community. Anytime we're engaging in service, we're getting outside of ourselves and we're beginning to take into consideration the needs of others. The one thing I was going to say to answer my own question is do something to make someone else's life better. And it's funny you mentioned compassion fatigue. So those of you who don't know, compassion fatigue is exactly what Adam said. As psychotherapists, if you're a busy psychotherapist, you'll see like 25 clients a week. I mean, you hear 25 difficult stories per week. Like if you guys think about what psychotherapists hear, we hear about trauma, people who were molested as children and drug addict. We hear about all kinds of things. And it leads to something we refer to as compassion fatigue, which is exactly that. 
you feel your ability to connect with the person sharing that story going down. You feel your ability to demonstrate kindness going down. And I think the world is having global pandemic compassion fatigue right now. Yeah. My question is, so what do you do to help your compassion increase? Do something to make someone else's life better. Maybe it's a smile. Maybe it's a hug. I'm from Massachusetts where Dunkin' Donuts is king. And I have a friend who posted on social media how happy she was because she's going through a really difficult time financially. And she was going through the drive-thru at Dunkin' Donuts to get coffee and donuts for her children. The car ahead of her paid for her meal. And she posted a video saying, I don't know who this person is, but thank you. And she's in tears. Like, do something for someone else that makes their life better. And that is how you increase your compassion. And just to throw me under the bus, I'm the same as everyone else. There was a time in 2020 when I was feeling down and I was feeling blue and my compassion towards myself was waning. And knowing, like, I, I'm a walk it how you talk it kind of person. I'm, I'm a like, don't just speak about it, live about it. Don't just speak about it, be about it. Like, I, I don't want you guys thinking I'm all talk. So going through that hard time, I was like, you know what? And I went to a local grocery store and I bought the entire store pizza. And this is when like everything was closed down except grocery stores. And there's these like 20 year old college age kids working at this grocery store. And I went to the store and I said, how many employees are here? And they said uh, like 30. And I went and I, I ordered pizza for all of them. And I made a video about it. So you can see the video. Like, I'm not just making this up. And it significantly impacted me in a positive way. So my challenge to everyone listening is go do something that would make someone else's life better. And don't just wait for your compassion to wane. Just go do it. And then your compassion will not wane. That's like a protective factor. So that's my request, man. Everybody who's listening, who can hear our voices, go do something to make someone else smile. Well, look, Adam, once again, this podcast was brought to you by the Solution Focus Universe, which is the largest online training community dedicated to the solution-focused approach and the growth of professionals interested in mastering the solution-focused approach. And brought to you by Solution Focus Notes, which is the only online electronic health record system dedicated to solution-focused professionals where they can find templates to use treatment plans, progress notes, intake forms, everything you need to run a practice electronically, calendar, your charting system, and all of it tailored to the needs of solution-focused professionals. 